Hello, one and all, and welcome back to the Super Show podcast, episode number 105. I'm Jamie, your host for this week, and thankfully, I'm very glad to say I'm not alone, because that would be a somewhat bizarre and unfortunate circumstance to be in, um, but also because I think this podcast is a hell of a lot more palatable when I'm joined by my friend and yours, the Twitch affiliate himself, Chris, back in the <laughs> building and full of beans, right? Hello. Well, uh, definitely been a bit gassy today. Didn't didn't need to have everyone hear that, but sure, uh, full of beans. Yeah. So you know, I was actually talking about your energy levels, not your fiber intake. Ah, that might right, have been where okay. we're getting our wires crossed. But have you exhaled that gas from your body in one form or another? <sighs> have you ever seen the film Interstellar? Yes. I don't know where I'm going with that, but I'm fine and I'm full of energy. Let's fucking something go. about the black hole being so big that Matthew McConaughey could get lost in there. Yeah, and yeah. And, and dust falls, and then it's like, oh shit, he's in me. Big he's time. like inside of me. In, yeah. If you were writing that as a script, the word "in" would be in italics. He's in you. <laughs> in me. He's in yeah. you. It also means that the listeners to this podcast get to play a fun little game, which is listen out for the fart. We could be here for the next hour, 90 minutes, who knows? But there will at some point, presumably, be a little, you know, a little something will squeak out. There will know? not be anything, good sir, because I am a gentleman. You know, and that should, nah. Uh, you know what, not, I, Chris? I'm a, I'm, a con, I'm a professional, Jamie. I believe right? you. You're a gentleman, you're a professional. And I've got to be honest, the chances of flatulence being a factor of this podcast go down about 66%. Uh, when we don't have our old friend Alex Jones with us here to talk about all things video games. Because unfortunately, you know, Jonesy, he's a family man. He works hard yeah. to put food on the table. And even family men, Chris, need to take a break here and then. Mm -hmm. They need to look after themselves, a little bit of TLC. And so Jonesy yeah. said it's time to hang up his podcasting boots for like one week. And go on a little bit of yeah, a holiday. Don't, yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, he will be, be back. back. He will be back. But he wanted to go on a little vacay. Chris. Yeah, he deserves it. Exactly. Good, good for him. Um, yeah. From what I gather, just sort of like, you know, reading between the lines, he did have a little bit of trouble finding a holiday destination that would accept him at this point in time. Right, you know, yeah. it's a strange climate yeah. out there. Yeah. I believe he did settle on Kazakhstan in the end. I hear it's lovely this time of year. Mm, very nice. Highly recommend. Yeah. Yes. Um, and we uh, we wish him and his family all the best. As they say, in a colloquial sense, the Joneses have invaded Kazakhstan. That's because there's so many <laughs> kids running around. Exactly. You know. Just one of they those. They have invaded Kazakhstan. Yeah, yeah nice. Exactly. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, he's going to have a great time. Really, really good time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think mm. it's really about to blow up as a go-to holiday destination in the next couple yeah. of years. Watch this yeah. space. And hey, if he doesn't have a great, great time out there, Chris, not my problem. He can cry me a river. Cry me a river, yeah. He's also going to paint the town red. Where, town square. Any more death and all sort of like, you know, like war jokes that we want to get out of the way? Um... No, I think uh, I think that's good enough. I think people should, you know, get get what we're trying to do here. Okay, we have we, we haven't pushed it too far. We didn't we didn't go one too many. That's good to know. Well, yeah. So fingers crossed that uh, Putin lets the Joneses come back. <laughs> I feel like we're genuinely like we've got a potential sitcom on our hands here. The Joneses oh, so stuck great. in Kazakhstan under the rule of Vladimir Putin. Fucking, you know what? It's it's. 2022 bro it's like it's fucking go anything anything's possible yeah. i by the way i mean yeah I, i've said it to you but i haven't said it to you in the context of the podcast uh merry christmas happy new year hope that uh 2022 
for yourself, Jamie, and for the <laughs> listeners, the viewers, or whoever it might be. I hope it's a fucking excellent one for all of you. It's been a shit one for me so far. So uh, oh. I'll take that on my shoulders. Well, but, you know, you, you have a good one. We're two weeks into it, and the only way is up from here on out. And you know, I'll take the opportunity to, to return the compliment back to you and say publicly for the sake of everyone listening and watching... Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you too, Chris. And it's great Boom. to have you back on the podcast to talk about <sighs> games um, with an asterisk, I suppose, is the little caveat there. Hold on. Didn't we Didn't we discuss the fact that in 2022 we weren't going to discuss games at all on the podcast going forward? Like, yeah. it's been a steady decline. So That idea was mentioned because the kind of the threshold for game discussion got so low towards the end of last year <laughs> that we thought about scrapping it entirely. Um, well, it's a, it's a good thing that we've got so many news items to talk about this week. We do. Um, yeah, we've. I'm not going to use the term scraping the barrel this early in the podcast because ultimately I want people to listen. But we have managed to fish out a couple of news stories as we wait probably just one week longer to do a big sort of look ahead into 2022 and all the big games that yeah. we have to offer and look towards our most anticipated titles of the year. Because Lord knows, Chris... Um, a look ahead to the biggest games of 2022 wouldn't be the same without Alex Jones in our ears telling us that we have nostalgia goggles for every single game we're excited about <laughs> while simultaneously telling us that Joe and Matt Caveman Ninja is the single biggest game uh, due for release in the coming 12 yes. months. No, I, I, I agree with that sentiment. No, yeah, something like that would be good to have a full house. And um, it's something that we're hoping to do this week. It's un- unattainable. Exactly. Uh, you know... But we've still got things to discuss. We've got games to discuss. We've got movies to discuss. And yes, we do, in fact, have news to discuss. And if you want to join us through those discussions, maybe even take part in those discussions and make sure you are still with us next week when we get around to looking ahead to the rest of 2022, then make sure you are tuned into everything we have going on, whether it's at YouTube, where you can subscribe or leave a little comment down below, or on Twitter, where you can get involved in all our social shenanigans with the uh, handle at Super Show Pod, almost forgot the word handle there. Pretty key one in the mm. world of social media. Um, and hey, you don't just have to watch this podcast, you can listen to it too, because we are available on all major podcasting platforms. That's including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. And if you want to listen to us on internet radio, because that rings your bells for one reason or another, you can do so over at paisleyradio.com, where this show is broadcast out at Thursdays um, at 10 p.m. And it's repeated again at that same time on Mondays, in case you miss it. So, Let's be honest, folks, 2022, you've got your New Year's resolutions. There's no reason why listening to as much of the Super Show as possible shouldn't be one of them, because we are being broadcast from just about everyone on planet Earth. I think that's fair to say, <laughs> yeah, Chris. Yeah, exactly. Like if, and if you, you know, if you only catch the odd show here and there, maybe make it a New Year's resolution to get off your ass and just listen to it all. Back catalogue, you know, stay up to date with what we're doing. Because, yeah. I don't know about you, Jamie, but... I think 2022 is going to be the year that um, we make some content. That's a bold claim. Are you sure we can back yeah. that up? No. Yeah, see, me neither. I mean, it, it, it's us, after all. Do you know what, though? We haven't, we, we've we come very close to missing a podcast already this year, but we haven't actually missed a podcast yet this year, right? Or have we? Did we, Maybe I shouldn't this have mentioned year, No, that. no, we haven't. Well... Did we technically miss the first one of the week? I don't, the year of, no, I don't we know. didn't. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Okay. We, we didn't record a podcast for the week between uh, Christmas and New Year's because obviously, you know, we were with our families and yeah. we, just, we just couldn't record. And also, because you know. we had hot and sexy six lists hitting the channel, 
basically like once a week at that point, and now there are three of them that you can go back to and watch and listen to if you haven't already. Oh, fucking delicious. It's crazy. And uh, right? I, I believe we shared it to the patrons first, you know? Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Um, I, man, I, I honestly, I, I, I think I said on the phone to you when we were like chatting earlier this week, um, what I'd like to do, and, and I think it's attainable, so that's why I'm saying it out here in a kind of public forum, but what I'd really like to do is just properly schedule out seeing you guys in person yes. and recording stuff. Not necessarily there's going to be six lists all the time. Um, I think we could definitely still get a few, you know, six lists up our sleeves For sure. um, in the year, but some other stuff as well. We've been working on potentially another best game ever. Yes. So that could be quite yeah, fun. Yeah, we've got plans for um, that. Yeah. And who knows what else? Like, we, we haven't had like major discussions on like what we want to do for this year besides let's carry on the fucking yeah. podcast. But there you go. But we know we know we want to do it, and that's the most important part. And I think I can say with like quite definitively, Chris, that we would continue mm. to make that content regardless of how much money it did or did not make us. Which you'd be forgiven yes. for thinking as a segue into talking about the patron and begging for more money. But in fact, it's not, because there was a little report this week, Chris, that came out that I wanted to talk about, because it featured a mm. return of one of our favorite pantomime villains of the whole of 2021. Um, I'll get to his name in just a moment. But the report was looking into the games industry's highest earning CEOs. Um, ah, okay, here we go. Yeah, you, some of you <laughs> might have already guessed some of the names that are coming up here. Um, I just thought it was kind of started, like I think we all know that CEOs in just about any industry are paid a lot. But it's also kind of scary to see what the numbers really are, especially considering some of the years and or periods or phases these companies are going through. Um, yeah. So for the, for anyone wondering, by the way, for anyone keeping track, this is uh, their compensation during the year of 2020, which for anyone that was under a rock at that time, that was the first year officially, first full year at least, of yeah. the COVID-19 pandemic. A time, Chris, where maybe some CEOs might be stepping back saying, hey, Things are changing. The world's gone crazy. You can have some of my money. Um, <laughs> well, you see, <laughs> you, you say that, Jamie, and I think this is why maybe you and I could never be CEOs because these guys are fucking cutthroat. They're ruthless. They're like, you know what? Everyone's at home. Everyone's playing games. Money, 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 baby. Yes, you're not wrong. And that's why of the 42 CEOs listed in this report, uh, 27 of them received compensation in excess of $1 million, which I'll pre-warn you now, that's a paltry fee compared to what the uh, the head honchos were making. Should we start from some of the smallest ones just to work our way up? And yes, yeah, start, start from the bottom. Start, start from the bottom, because the bottom one itself did surprise me. Um, a presumably British uh, fella, or woman fella, fella with an A on the end, it's like a Spanish fella, um, kicking at the bottom, <laughs> Debbie Bestwick of Team 17. Um, Oh, wow. Who, okay. Yeah, who are always the worms people in my head, but apparently, that's, yeah, not anymore. Literally, that's what I was going to ask you. I was like, when I when I think of Team 17, I always think of worms, and I'd be hard-pressed to think of what they've done <laughs> well, recently. the only thing I know about it's because it's a game that I talked about last week, which was that they were the initial publishers of Ready or Not before the developers of Ready ah. or Not did an AMA on Reddit and uh, said that they would like to do a level that is set in the uh, aftermath of a school shooting. Um, and it turns out that that relationship quickly soured. Um, wow, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and for making decisions <laughs> like that, Debbie earned herself a cool $10.2 million. Wow. Yeah. I mean, 
not not a not a bad year. Not Deb. a bad year. Pretty comparable as it goes uh, to someone in the hardware game. I know someone whose hardware you've admired in the past, Chris. Here and there, um, talking about hey, 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 hey. That's I'm that's not, neither here nor hey, there. It's buddy. no Alienware. I'm just saying you wouldn't turn your nose at some Razer goods, would you? If they came and knocking. If they came and knocking, no, I mean they're, they're good. They're... <laughs> if anyone's racist listening, yeah, but yeah, look, I, I'm an Alienware slash Logitech kind of guy, but yeah, if Alienware, if if Razer uh, want to swing me some product, uh, I'm not going to say no. Well, someone who could afford it is Min Lia, Liang Tan, the CEO of Razer, who made a cool 10.4 million dollars. Um, but why don't Fuck, we, Jamie? Can you imagine just making 10.4 million dollars? Honest answer, Chris? No. <laughs> I, I'm not going to like publicly discuss the salaries that I've earned in my short life thus far, but um, I can guarantee both you and anyone else listening or watching that they are uh, considerably far away from the idea of making ten point four million dollars in a single year. Probably even far away. Probably even far away from making point four. Oh yeah, yeah. Point four million dollars would would still I, like I'd quit my job probably if I made point four million dollars in compensation. Hell yeah! I'll, I'll, you, I'll, I'll make a pledge right now if I have point four million dollars salary per year. <laughs> yeah, you guys are getting fucking six lists every single day. You heard it here first. Any uh, any millionaires, billionaires, even Min Liang herself or himself? I don't know. That's a him. Yeah, that's a him. Yeah. If you're listening, you're only four hundred thousand dollars away from six lists for life. It's a small price to pay. <laughs> Isn't it crazy to think that like the richest person, like Elon Musk, right? Mm. If he had to take what he earned in a minute of his day, that he could single-handedly resurrect and fund a a resurgent ATG, like <laughs> for the rest of our lives, he, he could resurrect and fund entire nations, let alone <laughs> YouTube channels. There's a game. Yeah, but on I'm being itch. but I'm being greedy here. Oh, All right, I see. Yeah, like yeah, a billionaire could a billion dollars could go a long way when it comes to uh, running a YouTube channel, let alone living a life. That's mad. Crazy. Would you get into bed yeah, with okay. Bezos though? Like, would you be happy to do with the press? Oh yeah, I'd fuck with Bezos. I'd fuck with anyone. Oh yeah, again, Chris, you're really putting it out there tonight. I like it. Just saying. Um, hey, I, you know what? New, new year, new me, right? Like, I can open for business. That's what I say. Big time. Do you know who else is open for business, as we'll get to uh, later on on the show, in fact? Is the good folks at mobile developer Zynga, or Zynga. Oh. How, how would you pronounce that word? Zynga. Zynga. See, I've like, always said Zynga. Like, like, a, like a KFC Zynga. Zynga. Well, I'll tell you one person who doesn't care how it's pronounced anymore, and that's Frank Gibbo. Gibbo? Again, some great pronunciations here early. This is a great choice to start the show. He made a cool $32 million uh, in 2020 before any of the shit that happened in the past week even started rumbling. So he's doing pretty well. $32 million. $32 million. Do you know who else is making a similar amount of money, Chris? Hold on a second, just a quick one. Yeah. Didn't didn't take two... Just buy Zinger? Yes. And I think that might be uh, curious because you have just highlighted the fact that Strauss, <laughs> Strauss Zelnick, the CEO of Take Two, made $18.1 million in 2020. So <laughs> the parent company CEO made less or took less through compensation and stocks and, and whatnot. That's interesting, man. Yeah. I guess it's all about you know different setups. I forget the, the report itself lined up where this money came from and. Um, how they became aware of it, but yeah, 
Yeah. There might be other stuff. Things also happen under the table, Chris. Like when I gave you that five pound note one time for that thing you did for. Uh, well, I don't need to talk about what Shh. you did for me, but Shh. we all remember, and the folks at home can guess. Um, like I said, Jamie, open for business. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, and the prices are low. Um, should we take this into the next stratosphere, though? Yeah, let's 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 fucking notch it up a little. Okay, because I hinted at this person's uh, potential appearance on this list earlier on uh, when I referred to the pantomime villain of 2021. Bobby Kotick, <laughs> unsurprisingly, of Activision Blizzard, does make the cut, Chris, taking yeah. home a cool $154.6 million, the first nine-figure oh, earner um, of the list thus far. That's insane, dude. Do you want to know what, make, what makes it even more insane? Uh, yeah. As a, as a CEO to employee pay ratios go, that is a one to <laughs> one thousand five hundred and sixty ratio from the average Activision employee. Um. Wow. Uh, okay. So this is interesting, isn't it? Because then all that shit happened. Well, I mean, it was happening in twenty twenty as well. Whatever. I mean, you know. But the the kind of all the the major the tipping point was last year. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, I agree. And Bobby Kotick said, "Oh." he will not go for, like, these big payouts until this is, like, you know, sorted and blah, blah, blah. And he's only going to go for the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And the bare minimum was, like, I don't know, fucking what was it? It was, like, it's like 80 grand or something? Yeah, it was not much. It's, well, it's not much, but it's still probably... Oh. You take that, you take that as a ratio to the average fucking... Oh, yeah. Earner. It's still probably, like, one to two on the average employee... And it's again, it's much easier to not take compensation one year when you've taken one hundred and fifty-four million dollars the previous one. Like he's probably <laughs> still spending it. I don't know how many yachts he's bought lately, but man, yeah, it takes a little yeah, while to reading, burn through. Uh, funny enough, I was reading an article today about how um, the the things that Nicolas Cage spent. There was a period where he spent one hundred and fifty million dollars, and it was like what he spent it on. Yeah, it's quite For- interesting. Yeah, and you know what? We can be grateful because he probably wouldn't be doing movies half as crazy as the ones he is doing if it wasn't <laughs> for the taxes that he couldn't afford to pay. Yeah, exactly. You, you, I think at one point he owed the IRS like $14 million or something. Yeah. What's the film that we're both looking forward to next year? The like the incredible... Unbearable weight of like crushing talent or something. Something like that, but yeah. Oh, I can't wait. It looks so fucking good. I, I literally, yeah, thank you, IRS. Like, where would we be without taxes? We wouldn't have films like that. Yeah. Hey, I, I got to uh, achieve a lifelong ambition of watching um, Monty Python perform live. Wow. That's pretty courtesy, cool. Courtesy of John Cleese owing shitloads of money to his wife. Oh, I thought you were going to say something weird about like Nick Cage and taxes. <laughs> was that um, a divorce settlement then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see. And- it, was a divorce, it was a divorce settlement like... She fucking took him to the bank, and he was like, "I need some money." So he called up his old, um, his old pals. Like, what, what do you say we do a live tour? <laughs> yeah, let's get the band back together. And <laughs> literally, I yeah. don't know much about the music industry, but if it works the same way for you know tours and like comedy and and sort of all that other stuff, then live performances is a good way to make bank, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, good for yeah, him, man. A hundred, but one hundred and fifty-four. Point six million. Well, Buckaroos. yeah, but we haven't actually topped out the list yet, Chris. There is one more but name I'd like to bring to the table. Who's bigger than fucking Bobby K, though? You'll be asking yourself the same question even after I say his name, because it's none <laughs> other than Robert Anticole 
of the company Playtika, who made a wow. cool $372 million, <laughs> which Shit. is, we are now getting into a third of a billion dollars, which, I mean, it, yeah. it's crazy money. It is crazy <clears throat> money. That is mad. I bet you that's like some some mobile game development where they just fucking rinse their customers. It is a... I, can can, oh, can you... I say one thing, though? Yeah. If, if, we, if we were like properly taking the time and care like we used to on, on our sixth list and doing edits and you know what meme would pop up when you mentioned his name and the company? Can I guess? Yeah. Is it that's a lot of nuts? No. Oh no, no, damn no. it. I would have I would have put that's a lot of nuts for the money. Okay. But for when you mentioned the names. Okay. What so in other words, you would have said Robert Antikonol Antikold from Play Tika, and then what meme would have popped up? I don't know. I like I'm it. This is like an anything. old school ATG quiz. It's like, guess that meme. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, um, is someone saying who, but I don't know what the meme is. Is That's it Robert Downey Jr.? No, it's D- Digimon Hunsu. Oh, it's, it, oh, it's Star-Lord. He doesn't know yeah. who Star-Lord is. Yeah. Star-Lord, man. Because, who? Yeah. I was imagining Robert <laughs> Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, his character doing that oh, right. for some reason. That must be a different meme though. Again, my No, I think I think that's like what do you mean you people? Oh right. And okay. the black dude was like, What do you mean you people? It's you peopleception, uh, for reasons yeah, I'm, clear. Ju- I'm just a fucking meme factory, Jamie. Like you talk about memeception, it's more like the Matrix. Like, I, people, you know, in the Matrix, they see the fucking green code everywhere yeah. they go. I just see fucking memes. Have you not you, made your a TikTok face yet? Your, your, your face so... is not a face, buddy. I might, it's not? Huh? No. What it's is just it? It's a fucking meme. It's just a meme, buddy. This is because this is the thing. You, your life has been memeified to the point that everything you see and touch and interact with is a meme to you, Chris. Yeah. You need to walk back from the meme edge. I, I think I've gone over the edge, buddy. You're the man on the meme ledge, starring Sam Worthing meme. Who? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. All right, cool. We'll all be asking ourselves that same question, even when Avatar 2 comes out. Um, <laughs> all right, but go, go on, Jamie. Playtika, I've never fucking heard of Yeah, that. so Playtika, it turns out, is an Israel-based digital entertainment company that specializes in the wait for it, development and publication of free-to-play mobile games. Hooray. Fucking, 35 I, ne- I, ne- I million, called it, didn't I? Yeah, mo- 35 million monthly active users and 2.1 billion um, of what, what um, currency? What? Wikipedia doesn't say in 2020. Uh, Israel. What? Oh God, I don't, I don't even know. I was going to say something, but I might, I might <laughs> turn out to be a bit racist, so I'm just not going to say it. You know, when when Israel and possibly even Palestine, Chris, are involved, yeah, my advice: don't leave it. <laughs> look, um, I want to look it up because <laughs> while you're right. while you're looking that up, I will say that some of their better known games include Best Fiends, Bingo Blitz, uh, House of Best Fun. Best Fiends. We we did a thing of Best Fiends we on did. ATG. Yeah. And I was not being racist. It is actually the Israeli shekel. Oh, so maybe they did make 2.1 billion shekels. But then you're going to look <laughs> that up and tell me that's 10 US dollars. And it's like, well, something's gone wrong. Well, one shekel is equal to 0.23 pounds. Uh, and we go, okay, so we so go. So that would be them making like USD 500 million pounds. So that would be making like. So three point one, yeah, three point one Israeli shekels is one one US dollar. Oh, they're valued at four point four billion dollars in twenty sixteen. Four point four billion dollars. Yeah, it's mad. You know, like people think that like ah, just the saturation. Ah, it's getting into like boring business shit now. But just the saturation point 
of like fucking mobile games is still astronomically insane. Yeah. And yet the money in it only keeps going up because the number of people playing those kind of games keeps going up. And like you said, the weird thing that it's very easy to forget about a year like 2020 where COVID ravaged <laughs> so much of what was normal to us is that like, yeah, video games were getting delayed and consoles were hard to get. And it felt like the video game industry was falling apart at the seams. But the reality was it was making more money than it, than it had ever made before. And that's why yeah. people like Bobby Anticole, like I've given him a nickname already, and <laughs> it's it's Robert though, right? So it is Bobby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bobby Antico can make three hundred seventy-two million dollars. I will also say that Playtika uh, donated catered meals and food to local communities to provide relief for the COVID nineteen pandemic. So I guess good guy Robert and bad guy Bobby. Good good guy Bobby A, bad guy Bobby K. Exactly, guys. Be an A, don't be a K. You could go do a like a tour of schools and talk to teenagers, Chris, being like, hey. Be a Bobby A, not a Bobby K. <laughs> I like it. I could. Uh, Jay, Jamie, I'm gonna give you a bit of a. Uh, 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 let's call it a sideways glance <laughs> okay. at, at what we've just been talking about. Okay, yeah. I think you know where I'm getting at this. I do. Um, in 2010 to 2021, okay, mm. looking at global box office revenues. Yes. Okay. So let's say in, in 2019, as an example, uh, global box office revenue was $39 billion. Okay. Okay. And it dropped down to about, according to this chart that I'm looking at, yeah, about 5 to $6 billion in 2020. Okay? Yeah. Okay, pandemic. Yeah. All right. Uh, climbing up slightly in 2021 to, call it like $15 billion. And that's probably off the back of... You know, your James Bonds, your... Um, Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man, okay? So, gaming revenue in 2021, okay? <laughs> okay. I'm bracing PC, myself. PC alone, $37 billion. Okay, so PC alone rivaled a healthy, active, COVID-less box office, film box office. Global. Exactly, yeah. Okay. okay. Console, $50 billion. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And we're talking of fucking Playtika and all of them. Okay. Oh, God. 93 billion. It's unfathomable. Okay. So you take that all together. That's $180 billion the gaming industry was worth in 2021 compared to like the odd um, 15. Yeah. Crazy. Like fucking mad. So, yeah, that just to put into perspective that we say like, you know, People got on their games. People fucking got on their games. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I know this is a weird positive to draw from that. And I don't know if you noticed this as well, but I think it's interesting to talk about it in the immediate aftermath of Christmas and New Year's. But it it's kind of fascinating meeting up with family and extended family that you only get to see once every year and almost seeing them being forced to come around to the fact that you follow and like and are interested in and have at times even had your professional occupation tied to the success of an industry that is now like you can't take the piss out of games anymore like the the the, the, well, the, the nerds in their basement playing world of warcraft joke died when yeah when when games started doing what they did over the last handful of years which has yeah. been growing and in, in trending in that direction for a very long time. Make no mistake. I'm not suggesting that COVID saved games. It's the opposite <laughs> in some respects. But 
yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, man, fucking hell. Uh, all, 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 like, just to put a cap on that, mm. what I'm going to say is, I like money. I, I wish I had more of it. Yeah, I can second that. You'll hear more on us begging <laughs> for money later on in the show. But for now, Chris, how about a little comment of the week? Oh, love a fucking cheeky comment. Of <laughs> and the this, week. this, I mean, like, I know it's the 13th of January at the time of recording, but this, this is going to be one of the contenders for sort of comment or two-parter comment of maybe the entire year. Well, maybe of the of the super show. Maybe like, I, I honestly I agree. I think we're in that kind of territory uh, because this comes in from let's just say the artist formerly known as Damnate Cockburn. Um, ah, well, hold on. Didn't you guys have uh, this was the one from last week? This uh, this individual did leave a comment last week, and in fact, it was read by our very own Alex Jones, um, whose interpretation, let's say, of the name. He basically thought that the only thing that this could possibly mean is, damn, I hate Cockburn. As yeah, in, and like, then you guys went on to say, like, who doesn't hate Cockburn? Yeah, yeah. We, like, we, we speculated that being like Rugburn on your cock, which would be a frustrating thing to experience. And yeah, damn, I would hate it too. Yeah. Um. So how about I read the latest comment from... Um, uh, this Damn individual. From, well, I, the joke... Well, this will make a lot more sense when I read it. Okay. Ha 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 ha. Thanks, guys. First, <laughs> I'm a woman. Oh, God. Second, okay. Second... Fucking in it straight away. Yeah. Second, no one ever pronounces my name right, so don't worry, I'm not offended. Which is good, because for the sake of okay. the joke, we did do that again this week, for those who will say. Fair enough. Um, I, I thought it was like some kind of a pseudonym or something, like not an actual name. You ready for it, Chris? Uh, hit me. Davnat Coburn. Irish Davnat first name. Coburn. Scotch surname. Davnat Coburn. You heard it here first. Which you were saying to me before, what I basically said in the podcast last week, which is it's surreal seeing a name that you've read in your head and seen online for years <laughs> actually getting substance and meaning. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's... There's a person behind the name, Jamie. We always got to remember that. There is a person behind the name. Diphthongs and Gaelic all rolled into one. Happy New Year and little something for you, Chris. Hope Chris is feeling better soon. Hugs. Oh, wow. Thank you. I am feeling better. And that's all thanks to you, uh, Dabnat Coburn. There you go. Oh, man. I, I, I love this. But you know what makes it even better? Yeah. Was that it was Jonesy who read out the initial comments and just fucking got it totally wrong. Yeah. Oh, shit. What? The pennies just fucking dropped. Go on. I mean, there's two people on this podcast now. There's one Jonesy person. was shamed <gasps> into going to Kazakhstan. This is it. He couldn't bear show his Whoa. face this week after the <laughs> calamitous error he made. Well, I, I, I think fair to say, um, you know, th- this feels like one of those editorial things where they're like, last week we wrote an article that uh, misspelled this person's name and we're here to apologize. So, yeah. Sorry, Damna Coburn, but, you know, we're, we're, yes. we're glad you're sticking with us and you weren't too offended. We appreciate yes. it. Yeah, apologies. And, yes, thank you for taking it lightly and uh, correcting us in a very gentle and kind and endearing way. And also, I just feel better <laughs> off for knowing now. I'm going to read it the yeah. right way in my head from this way forward. Um, shall we uh, potentially mispronounce some more names, Chris? I mean, it's what I'm all about. I like doing it too, and one of the best ways to do it, and one of the best kinds of names to mispronounce, are the very people who make the show possible, because I'm sure they love it when we get their names wrong. Um, and I'm, of course, talking about 
our very generous patrons who keep the lights on here at the Planet Super Show by supporting us over at patreon.com forward slash super show, which is where we have set up a little system, a little scheme, where depending on uh, how much money you decide to give us and how much money you decide to pledge, there are different tiers, and different tiers come with different rewards. Would you, for example, like to join the Super Show Discord and DM Jonesy? I know you would. You can do that for as little as $2 a month. Would you like to get your ears around some exclusive Patreon-only podcasts like Known Murderers and Full Frontal and After Dark, where we say things that are somehow even more abhorrent than we say on the regular Jesus podcast? Christ, yeah. You can do and, that. And those will be coming back soon, by the way. Just oh, big time. put that out there. 2022, a big year for trying to get cancelled. Watch this space. And you can hear us attempt to do so at the $5 tier. And there are even more tiers than that with even more rewards than that. So why not head over to patreon.com forward slash super show. Check out everything that's available and see if anything takes your fancy. And maybe you'd be helping us in the process. And in the meantime, I'd like to give some shout outs to some kind folk that are already supporting the super show on its somehow two year plus long journey. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I know, pinch yourself, Chris, we really made it. I'm talking about Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Dark Silhouette, episode 85, 33 minutes, 20 seconds. It took 15 weeks for someone to get the joke. Thank you, Peter. Yes, but Cam Dahl Nielsen, huh? Jovella Cujo, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Nathan Pierce, Pastors Guild, Scary Omen, Starful Kid, and the Big Dogs, the Headhon Shows, Brett C. Doppler, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Bookread, Manuel Manly Manscaped Man Guerrero, Peaswad, and the uncaged. Thank you all so much for your very, very kind patronage. Um, means a lot coming into a new year uh, as we start looking ahead to all the wonderful things we'd like to cook up for you and the uh, also generous people who keep up with us on YouTube and podcasting platforms. Uh, and we wouldn't be able to do any of it without your support. So thank you very much. Hell yeah. Thank you so much. Honestly, like, I, I know we say it and, and I hope it doesn't come out disingenuous, but. We are so grateful for like everything you guys help us with and support us, whether it's whether it's through um, the Patreon or even if it's just like just listening on Spotify or uh, YouTube or leaving a comment, hitting that like button, whatever it might be. Like, thank you, one and one and all. Yes, I agree. Um, Chris, mm. now that we've thanked our patrons, I'd like to send my attention actually over to you, <coughs> if that's okay. Oh, okay. because obviously we didn't get the luxury of talking to you last week. We haven't been able to fully catch up on everything you were able to watch or play or do over the oh. festive season. Oh, but baby. Before I indulge you in that, I'd like to mm. clarify quickly for my sake and the sake of the folks at home that while you've started listening to last week's podcast, you haven't listened the whole way through yet, have you? I have not listened the whole way. Okay. No. In which case, then, I'm actually going to... This won't make any sense to you, but I'm going to preface the next conversation we're about to have uh, with a few comments from last week's episode. Um, and I'm not okay. going to attribute these to any names, but uh, if any of them are correct, then I will go back and find out uh, who guessed which amount. Um, let's start with at least one minute, 34 minutes, six minutes tops, six minutes and nine seconds, 28 minutes... Three hours and 54 minutes, at least 20 minutes, and 26 minutes and 14 seconds. As wow. said, Chris, you won't know what that means. I do. And it's very exciting. Um, is, that, is that how long, you know, like... <laughs> it, it's, it, you know, it's not how long you last in bed, 
but it's okay. not far off. Like you'll see the parallels once the truth is revealed. Um, but um, now that I've said that, and now I want to put that to one side, sort of compartmentalize that, leave that there. Let's talk about games, shall we? Okay, let's talk about games. Fine. Well, well, there's movies and games and TV, so you want to talk about games first. I want to talk about games first. Okay, so I, I think I need to like preface all of this with the fact that uh, after Boxing Day, yes, I fell very, 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 very ill. Right. Not 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 with COVID. Luckily, thankfully. COVID well, in the, lucky still yeah. feels like a weird word to use for <laughs> well, how ill you yeah, are. Exactly. You probably would have been better off with Omicron. But... Yeah, maybe because it's uh, by all reports so fucking mild. But yeah, um, no, I, I had like a fucking chest infection that went into my sinuses and then back into my throat and blah blah blah. It was not not a good time. So while I had every intention, I mean, I've got a fucking PlayStation Five now. I had every intention of doing a decent fucking amount of gaming, and yeah. After Boxing Day, just KO. The kind of sickness where, you know, you, you don't have energy for anything. You, yeah. you don't even want to sit in front of a couch and fucking activate your brain playing a game. You just want to watch TV or just sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I had. And I had that going on for me for most part of about two weeks. It you know? sucks. So you ask about what games I've played. Like, not much. Okay. There, there are a few things, and I'll talk about them. Um, Obviously, I, I played some Dota here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've said to myself that for this year I would do is uh, play ranked instead of pubs, um, okay. and just see if I'm see if, I'm, see if I'm having any of a better time because I've been on such a fucking losing streak. It's like fucking hell. People are going to start paying me just like. <laughs> did, did you ever watch the the movie The Cooler? No, I didn't. Is that it, no? It's I'm... basically about. It's about this dude who goes into casinos. Casino hires him as an unlucky guy who sits at a table and he just oh, brings right. the whole fucking average down because he's just so, like, people get bad luck around him. That's and that's cool. just fucking me and Dota these days. Ah, so, so you're this, the Dota this, cooler, basically. I'm, I'm the Dota cooler, baby. Um, yeah, I, I didn't manage to stream anything, like, all of December up to now. Hopefully I can get back to it next week, so can't mention anything there. Um, Started to play a little bit of Sekiro to get back into it for when I do start streaming. Is that your right. planned next stream for when uh, that becomes possible? It it would be, but I think I might be getting early access to a particular game, which might... Uh, okay, I don't uh, even know if I know what that game is. Yeah, I told you we're getting... Oh, okay, okay. Well, so you, we, met, we talked about two things. Yeah, so not Jonesy's one, my one. Oh, okay, I'm with you. Okay, that would be exciting. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be cool. I, re- I think that could be really cool. And obviously, if the timing works out, if the timing doesn't work out, then we'll see. Uh, but yeah, Se- Sekiro, I want to finish that. I think I've in the whole game, I've only got three bosses left, and I want to smash them on stream before Elden Ring comes out. But right. that leads me to the kind of the major game that I've been playing, mm. which is Metroid Dread. Yeah, is that well, that is that the Metroid Dread dance official? Yeah, sure. Let's go for that. Okay. Um, I, I started playing it. I think we all started playing it around more or less the same time. Yeah, like basically uh, Christmas time, right? Yeah, exactly. I think we all kind of got it for Christmas. Um, yeah, more or less. I've not finished it. I'm going to put that out there. I'm, I'm maybe about three quarters of the way through. Uh, I think you and me both I, about the same point. Oh, right. Okay. Nice. Decent. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, 
I think when I started it, I was kind of a lot hotter on it than I am now. Um, having gone through some of it, I think I've cooled on it a little bit. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah, I, I think I said to you, like when I started playing it, I was like, this is a solid 8 out of 10 game. Yes. Um, and I, I think now maybe it's like a, a 7 to 7.5. Interesting. Huh. But but like on a proper scale, not like yeah. IGN seven. You know, yeah, sure, sure. I, I get yeah. you. I get you. Yeah, like it, it's very good at what it does, but I think just that, and uh, you know, I I think I got into the point where you guys had started talking about it on the last podcast. But um, so excuse me if I'm treading on old ground here, but I I feel that like with 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 Metroid Dread, like you're talking about like an originator of a genre being like, you know, Metroidvania. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the like the, the purest kind of fucking form of Metroid that you can get. Like, obviously, a Metroid game is going to be the most Metroid game out there. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think that that formula, especially when you are so fucking, like, rigid to it, mm-hmm. can get kind of... The further on you play the game, the more annoying it gets. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes, it, it and, does. Uh, you know, like all of that backtracking and, and the kind of like progress gating. And it, 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 it is really good, but it can get a little bit annoying when you like. Th- there was one point where I was stuck and I got over it eventually. And then Jonesy messaged me on the chat and he's like, oh, I, I'm stuck at this point. I'm like, I know exactly what point you're stuck in. Mm-hmm. Because literally it was you get a power up. And it opened a gateway to one specific place in this massive sprawling map that then lets you continue. Yeah. And if you miss over that one fucking room, you're just going backwards and forwards. And you're like, what am I meant to do? Where am I supposed to go? Yeah. No, I get you. I get you. The, the, you know, um, the routine I sort of fell into was every time I get a new ability, I immediately go to the map and see what within my general vicinity can I now go through using that. And that's generally the path. Yeah, but the problem is, oh, but it's on another fucking biome. Yes, and when you have to jump sometimes to two different, like from a, to one biome to a, then another, like which you have to do. Um, yeah, and, like and it's, it's, it's not like did have you got to the point where you get the infinite spin jumps yet? No. Okay. I, I think that's next. I think like I'm working on doing that. I've gotten to the part where there are two Chozo warriors that you need to kill. Mm. In that case, it's you're like, like right unbelievable. You're, it's basically you're like two minutes away from it. Yeah, yeah. So the next thing you're gonna get, yeah. The the bit after that, I was like, okay, I don't know where you want me to go. <laughs> I did get it eventually, but yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but but what I what I what I have found out online since then is that a lot of people have kind of like enjoying almost. I wouldn't say because I don't think there is a new game plus mode, but it's more a case of saying, well, you know the game now. Right. So people have started seeing, like, how fast can I complete the game? Yeah, that's probably quite fun. And, and not, not necessarily in, like, oh, I'm a fucking professional speedrunner. It's more a case of, like, I know exactly what i got to do. I know how to do these things. I know the tricks to all the bosses. I know the timings. Let's see how fucking quick I can go. And people have gotten some respectable times, like, beating the game in, like, less than five hours or five hours, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, like, not, not any percent runs, but, like, full-on hundred percent runs right yeah so it's uh, interesting to see um yeah but yeah I'm, I'm enjoying it like i i look forward to finishing that game will probably be the first game that i finish this year which will be nice 
starting it off nicely. It's going to be interesting to see how that you know tracks going forward because I feel like I was at last week where you're at now in terms of I kind of softened on it a little bit, it maybe dropped to a seven to a seven point five, but I still fundamentally thought it was good and wanted yeah. to finish it. I'm much more negative than that now. One week on. <laughs> Um, but, but why? Because because you played more, or because you just have not put it down and haven't picked it up? Um, <coughs> because I play, because I played more, broadly speaking. Um, okay. But the the amount I've played in terms of how much progress I've made since last week, and how many times I've had to, as you mentioned, pick it up and put it down uh, to make that much progress, has <laughs> kind of been the indicator to me to how much I'm really fundamentally not enjoying some elements elements of this game. Um, yeah. It's almost like if you imagine a cake, right? And let's say each boss equates to a slice of cake. Yes. Okay. This is my kind of game, by the way, so please don't ruin this for me. I'm very excited right now. The, the, the cake game? Yes, I want cake. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, when I see you in real life, I'll, I'll make sure to bring you some cake. Really no, but like, like imagine that. the game is, is cake, right? Okay. Like Metroid is a cake, and each boss is a slice of cake. And and it's not just the boss, but the boss and the progression around it, right? Yes. So up to the first boss, you got a really fucking massive slice of cake. Yes. You've explored a lot of the world. You've had a good time. You've unlocked some stuff. There's a, a boss. You kind of deal with it. Boom. You're good. Mm-hmm. Then the next boss, the cake slices a little bit less. And about halfway through the game, those cake slices are like <coughs> fractions. And then that's like the rest of that half of the game. It's fractions and fractions and fractions. So each time you go to a boss, you unlock something, you unlock a skill. That one single skill unlocks 1% of an area that then lets you progress. Right. So it's, it's like less and less and less. It's like compoundedly less. Yes. Like, and I, I think that's where it gets annoying for, my, for me. Yeah, I think, I think we've come to similar conclusions via different means. The analogy that I was using uh, to, in my own head uh, this week was that I find Metro Dread to be the video game uh, equivalent of a toothache or an earache, which is, you know how toothaches and earaches are this strange kind of like almost out-of-body pain, this strange like numbing, pulsing pain that like it doesn't feel like a physical pain, like getting whacked on your in the shin or something like that. It feels yeah, like yeah. something ethereal that's like pulsing, so, and you're, you're almost trying to like strain it and pull it to get rid of it, and it doesn't yeah, go. Yeah. Um, the frustration that I'm left with most of the time when I try and play Metro <laughs> Dread is the video game equivalent of a toothache or an earache. Um, Jeez, I, okay. I, I really, I, 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 I'm looking forward to have a fully qualified discussion about that game when we've all finished it, and I'd love even more to speak to some of the people who believe that that's a close to perfect game, game of the year contender, contender, and so on and so forth. Because I think that. There are there are arguments I'd make that aren't just about me and my tastes and how much I dislike it, but also that I think there are fundamental game design flaws buried within Metroid Dread that I'd love right, to yeah. you know chat about with some folks. T- tell me about your your enjoyment of the Emmys. Um, because <laughs> you hated them. Well, like when it when it when the started th- the game, you're like, th- I can't fucking handle this. The funny thing is, yeah, at the start of the game, I was like, hang on a second. As an as an industry and as a community, Chris, we've spent the best part of the last two decades, especially you know you know as we shifted generations around the turn of the century, 
um, changing our perspective on stealth and what stealth could be and what stealth yeah. meant and the possibilities of stealth. And one of the things that became like a fucking blasphemous term, let alone a blasphemous feature in a video game in that same uh, <laughs> uh, period of time, was the idea of insta-fail stealth sections. Insta-fail yeah. stealth became synonymous with bad stealth. Stealth where if you get caught, you're basically dead. Metroid Dread is full of insta-fail stealth sections, and no one gives a shit. Like, why Hold is on, it getting got a pass your, but, for that? But if you get caught by an Emmy, you've got two chances the game, to get the, out of it. The game does give you a chance to break free of the grasp <laughs> of an enemy, should you of an enemy, excuse me, should you get captured. But even the game makes it extremely clear that it is it's extremely hard to time right and is not designed to be done successfully every single time you're in that situation. Most people yeah. will probably get it one in every ten times in my if I had to guess, if that. Um yeah, depending yeah. on certain other circumstances. And there were genuinely sequences where I was like, this is infuriating. Even the positioning and the movement of the Emmy doesn't seem to make sense. Like, this is you're, you very much want me to be in the same room as this Emmy because you want me to hang from the ceiling or hide in that little corner <laughs> and use the invisibility cloak feature that you put in. Even though, really, I think it's more effective to run away from Emmys even after they're onto you than hiding from them. You won't let this Emmy eat this room, leave this room. Why are you? Sorry. Why are you making me have an Emmy encounter underwater when you know I can't move underwater properly yet? Like I'm moving at two miles an hour versus a variation of an Emmy that can freeze me from a distance. Like who thought of this I, stuff? I hated that fucking Emmy. That that was the worst Emmy for me. Just it's it's just dumb. Like who is the person that thought? You know what? Backtracking is kind of cool potentially in Metroidvanias because you go back to that first area for the first time in fucking three hours and you're like, oh my god, look at all the shit I've got. Look at all the places I can go. Look at all the extra two missiles I can pick up because that's the only fucking in like improvement <laughs> that we've hidden in our entire open world. And you get there and it's like. Oh, actually, some other story thing happened that changed the entire layout and the entire, like, f the way this whole thing is structured. So, actually, you still can't go and get any of those missile things that you felt like you couldn't get in the first two hours. Because we found yeah. new ways to stop you going there. Because we are so... We are simultaneously paranoid that you'll get lost, <laughs> while also reluctant to ever tell you where to go. Like, to tell me why that makes sense. A game that re utterly refuses... <laughs> that is adamant that it will never directly tell you where to go, Chris, yet at the same time doesn't want you to get lost by blocking off doorways for arbitrary reasons every time you return to certain areas. That, that's, but that's Metroid, baby. Yeah, fuck Metroid then, okay? <laughs> fuck Metroid. <laughs> fuck Metroid. Wow. But you know what, Chris? Jonesy talked about it last week. I hadn't played it yet, so I gave him the benefit of the doubt. He, was, he went light. F fuck bosses that have a phase that is essentially Flappy Bird. <laughs> and I mean that in every, like, it's it's Flappy Bird. Because the defining feature of Flappy Bird was that it wasn't truly a platformer that was about jumping. It was about being able to gauge the upward momentum you had while jumping or the downward momentum you had while falling and using that to travel through the gaps in the pipes. Metroid does the exact same fucking thing. It was a bad idea then. It's a bad idea now. <laughs> making it a part of a boss in a game that already has ludicrous difficulty spikes as a result of those bosses that completely disrupt the flow of your stupid fucking game to begin with is a bad idea. <laughs> and I don't really I want anyone this. to even try and tell me otherwise. Because they're I wrong. Love this. I love it. Um, oh, man. So are, are you planning on finishing Metroid? <laughs> um, yeah, probably. Okay. Because I, I want to feel this is going to make me sound so fucking cynical and nasty, but that's the kind of person I am. I want to be as qualified as I possibly can be to shit on this game for years to come. That's that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, uh, yeah, I, 
it's a good game, but it's a fucking Metroid <laughs> yeah. game. Like, yeah, it's okay. it's it's one of those fucking things, man. It's like if you don't like, it, it, it's it's almost like what I said about um, Legend of Zelda. That like that series, I love it, but it rubs me the wrong way in pretty much all of the entries except for Breath of the Wild. Totally, I can get that. I and, can get that. And, and and what's so interesting about it is Breath of the Wild. What it did is it took away all the bullshit that I hated from. Zelda games and just left the good stuff and obviously added in its own ideas. And I think that's why I fucking loved it. And that's why it's like one of my top games. And I like Metroid needs that moment, you know? Like like I liked Metroid Prime, okay? The yes. trilogy. But I still have it it's changing the perspective doesn't change the core fundamentals of what they thought makes a Metroid game. Can you imagine if Metroid Dread was that Metroid game where they <clears throat> went back to the drawing board and they said, this was the original vision for it, and now we have the technology for it, rather than saying, well, this is how we've always done it. it, it it's, it's, it'd be very interesting to think about something like that. And maybe we get closer to that in the future. I don't know. Um, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think what you get with that kind of thinking is more something like akin to Hollow Knight than... Actual Which, Metroid. you know, that's probably the game I need to play next on the Switch to play a modern take on a Metroidvania-style game that probably does more of what I'd like. Um, yeah. Even if the bosses yeah. are probably still incredibly hard in Hollow Knight. Um, it's not that bad. Honestly, yeah. it's not that bad. Although I don't think I can play Hollow Knight on the Switch because let me tell you, fuck Joy-Cons, Chris. I th- you know, but you got that you got that big pad. Yeah, and I have I, I have resorted to using it. They are strapped to the beast right now, but it doesn't have vibration, <laughs> and that pisses me off sometimes. All uh, right, doesn't have the HD rumble. Baby. Doesn't have the HD rumble, Chris. And what you know? How how can I possibly? I mean, Samus doesn't have balls. I was about to make a feeling balls in my hand joke. Samus doesn't have balls. I say that up front. The joke is collapsing from beneath my feet. But there's well, a... she turns into a ball. So they uh, thank you. How can I possibly tell how many morph balls are in the cardboard box if I can't roll it around with HD Rumble? Exactly. Anyway, um, Metroid <sighs> Dread. I I feel like I kind of hijacked uh, your Metroid Dread uh, discussion no. there, no, no, no. which also kind of defeats the point a little bit of the exercise that we were doing just before I invited you to start to- talking about games. If I had to guess an early winner, looking at the comments again, I think Valdemar Martinez Jr. might be in with a great shout. He said at least 20 minutes, um, but... I have to get the official. Is, word is this how same. long we were talking about Metro Dread? Yeah, you got it. The joke was last week that the the Super Show Classic is all three of us will do or play a thing, but like one yeah. week apart, so it ends up coming up <laughs> once every week. And so we were joking last week about how that episode was going to be taken up with Jonesy and I arguing about Metro Dread. In the end, we didn't argue that much because we agreed. All right, three yeah. of us agree, weirdly enough, on for yeah, the most yeah. part. Um, and then the joke at the end of the podcast was how much additional time will we talk about Metroid Dread next week? And it was my fault. So, you know. Well, here, here's a question, though. This, this, oh, there's a question more statement. This is how you know the world has gone to shit. Okay? Mm, okay. All three of us managed to play a single-player game all at the same time, and Alex Jones is the one to finish it. Ugh. That's the most depressing thing I've ever heard you say in my life. I fair play, Jonesy. You know he he puts in the he puts in the work. He does put in the work. Yeah, he does, and he seems to mysteriously be able to get things like this done. Like he's probably going to come back on next week, and I fuck knows what he'll have finished, but he'll have done something bizarre. I'm sure. He would have finished Vanguard. I'm sure. 
Yeah, but that, that Vanguard's not that long. Um, yeah. I fin- I mean, I finished Life is Strange True Colors, and the game I have been playing this week is probably a bit too much for one week, but I'll get there. Anyway, there's there's more to your festive period, though, Chris, than, than well, just Metroid. I, I, we've right? spoken so much about Metroid Dread. Like, fucking hell, we've got to get this moving on. Yeah, so on Boxing Day, I saw Spider-Man. Okay. And that's potentially where I got my like an infection from was it was it worth it then that's the Um, question i i enjoyed spider-man like i i feel like this new trilogy of spider-man spider-men's um it's it feels like it's more about the conceptual value of the films rather than the actual spider-man or peter parker whereas the other films were maybe like no it's Fucking, you, you're there for Peter Parker, whereas right. with these ones, it's more... And you're there for Spider-Man. With these ones, it's more like, no, you're there for the concept. I Yeah, I know what you mean. I definitely feel you know? that way myself at this stage. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoyed... I really enjoyed it for what it's worth. Um, mm. I don't know. Is it, we can't talk about spoilers, can we? I mean, probably, it's all over the internet, but... Yeah, it's probably a bit too soon still, even though I think... Anyway, yeah. some, some things happen in, in the thing... And at at one stage, like I, I got a little bit, you know, two two points in that film. Actually, I got a little bit emotional. Oh, choking gonna... up. Yeah. Yeah. Proper. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not above saying it. No, there's no, no shame to be had in it. <laughs> it the, 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 there's the film that pulls on the heartstrings, and does so yeah. by you know reaching back uh, over over two decades into our lives. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And. Yeah, it's weird that like something like this makes not just myself but so many people kind of think like maybe we should go back to those other ones, you know, like to watch them or to uh, or to like bring them back and make bring, more bring of them. back. Yeah, bring them back. Maybe it, it, it's it's funny. It, it, I just I, it it's it's a fascinating kind of thing. It's almost like an, a a new form of nostalgia. Interesting. Yeah, you know, it's like future nostalgia or something i don't know anyway but yeah uh, you guys saw the matrix i didn't see the matrix i was fully planning to but i was pretty much bedridden so mm. couldn't do much about that now i'm back at work so who the fuck knows when i'm gonna have to see the matrix i may have to get a vpn and you know true actually no get a sponsor no, no, sorry you know you, you're gonna get a vpn to watch it legally via hbo max available yes. in the united states and canada and certain european nations Correct. So. There we go. No, so yeah, we're on the same wavelength. Uh, but curious, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, kind curious of thinking. what you think. Like Spider Man's one of those. I I saw Spider Man as well over Christmas, and it's yeah. like there's there's no real, not in a negative way. There's not a big argument or discussion to be had about Spider Man. I thought it was fine, but like even yeah. that is like yeah. it's a good fine. Yeah. Uh, what was nice is was returning to the cinema with Spider Man to begin with. That was really nice. Yeah. Uh, and also that our our cinema was quite like. Fun, like like the audience, you know, like oh, okay, oh, you know that kind of thing. Not not like overly fucking nerdish or anything like that, but it was just like it was a good crowd. That's that helps with those movies. I remember seeing uh, both Spider Man No Way, no Far we From saw, Home. We saw and, that together and Avengers Endgame with you both with yeah. with, with, with somewhat raucous uh, crowds, and that helped yeah. on both occasions. Even as like a non MCU person, like. When when everyone's getting giddy because Captain America grabs <laughs> Mjolnir, I'm like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, I'm I'm giddy too now. <laughs> yeah, 
you've made me giddy. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. But okay, but what about you? I mean, uh, what, what have you been playing, Jamie? I've been slow because I have not been sick or particularly busy this past week, but I've just been kind of dragging my heels on all front. The only thing I managed to get started was another uh, member of the 2021 Backlog crew. It's Far Cry 6. <laughs> Uh, which, oh right, okay. Yeah, hey, you you got to get it out now because fucking this year is gonna fucking explode. <laughs> the, As <laughs> if all three of us in a podcast next week will fucking talk about it. But yeah, this this year is gonna be oh bro, like one to remember. We, we, I'll say it up front, we're gonna talk about uh, Game Pass presumably a little bit later on. And yeah. Game Pass I, is something already this year that I look at and I'm like, oh my god, I I forgot that I didn't play the gunk. I didn't play the gunk. Um, the gunk. Exactly. Um, I, I still haven't played the campaign of fucking Halo Infinite. I haven't finished. There's another one that I was meant yep. to fucking play when I was, but I was six. So I was like, what are you I haven't do? finished that. I've got Resident Evil Village staring at me. I also just bought four games at once on the Epic Game Store the other day because I had a coupon. Um, <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and for some reason I'm playing Far Cry Six. Um, which hey Chris, stop me if this sounds familiar, but it turns mm. out Far Cry Six is a Far Cry game. Wow. Um, it's a sort of like imagine this if you will, a first person shooter set in an open world, um, and it's kind of like a what seems like a tropical paradise, but it's not quite um, what it appears. Not to all be. is as it seems. Not yeah. all is as it seems because there's a big. Um, boisterous villain with a lot of dialogue who is doing nasty things behind the scenes, who is played by a recognizable star of TV fame. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know what? It's For whatever reason, I was... No, not for whatever reason. I'll tell you why. Because they've just come out with their second villain DLC, right? Yes, the um, Pagan, Pagan Min, Min stuff has just dropped. And I just thought to myself, like, how little faith do you have in your latest entry the three pieces of DLC that you are releasing for it hark back to your previous entries. No, yeah, it's a fair point. And and it's just like such a strange fucking thing. And it's funny, we said like Metroid Dread being the case of like an originator of a kind of genre. So like what you expect, like the most purest Metroid warts and all version is going to be Metroid Dread. The same can be said for Far Cry. It's not the originator of an open world by any means, but it definitely... Um, is emblematic of this kind of like Ubisoft uh, modern open world system. Yeah. And it's just like, and you know. It doesn't iterate on that at all for what it's worth. Um, yeah. Everything that I wanted to feel new or fresh doesn't. And fundamentally, this is a game that you you should only play should you really have a hankering for more Far Cry in your life. Um, that's about the only box I think will tick at this stage. I'm not getting much <laughs> yeah. else from it. Um, yeah. But yeah, luckily... Um, I haven't wasted my time with anything else either, so it's kind of like <laughs> neither here nor there. I'm praying, Chris, that I'm back this time next week with a whole host of exciting movies and games to talk about because I've been making a good use of my time and not sleeping and playing FIFA, but that at the moment <laughs> is not the case. So, What, what about Warzone? Are you going to jump into the, the new oh, season? I've, no, at this point there are no plans to. Warzone really has, uh, amongst my sort of posse, died a death. The arrival wow. of the new map was greeted with excitement by some, uh, that excitement quickly faded away as we were met by a, a gluttony of, of of bugs and glitches and yeah. so on and so forth, um, and then basically the numbers just dropped away. And now, so what, so yes, yeah, so what is your posse return? Just just FIFA. It's FIFA now, yeah. It's FIFA. Uh, FIFA Pro Clubs specifically is the mode that yeah. gets a lot of attention. 
Um, there are a couple of us who, on the side, like play a lot of Vanguard multiplayer up until the new year, and there's also been some random things like some Rocket League here and there. Um, but generally speaking, like it's tough. Yeah, it's a tough time for the Warzone yeah. posse. Um, and who knows what the year. I'd, I'd love it if you just refer to yourself as that the Warzone posse. I mean, <laughs> that is that's kind of what we feel like. We're we're somewhere between the Warzone posse and Riders on the Storm, like. We're kind of in that kind of area. That's what we referred to ourselves. Um, Fair. Very cool people, as I'm sure people uh, listening at home can can pick up on. Um, anyway, we talked a little <laughs> bit about games we've been playing. Should we talk a bit about games that we will be playing? Yeah, let's fucking do it. Because while we haven't sat down to, at least not in official podcast format, discuss our most anticipated games of 2022, the gamers in general, gamers TM, have been doing so, and one of the ways in which they're voting on the games they'd like to play most in the coming year is via Steam's wishlist feature, where you can go on the oh, Steam baby. store and you can wishlist games. Um, and it turned out, Chris, there was a little bit of a, a tete-a-tete this past week yeah. um, for the top spot on said list, because it came out, and I was actually surprised by this when the initial news broke, that Dying Light 2, earlier this week, was sat at the top of Steam's most wishlist game list. And in Yay. fact, and had it had done so for the entirety of 2021, having succeeded Cyberpunk 2077 when that came out at the end of 2020. A little bit surprising. I, I, I think more than a little bit. Like, by, by all means, Dying Light 2 looks great, and Dying Light 1 was a great game. But yeah, I wouldn't have expected this. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, I think I think when the news broke, we kind of messaged it on our WhatsApp group. We're like, what? Yeah, and I'll be honest. I think a lot of other people around the world also went, what? And uh, didn't just stop there, but also uh, felt the need to uh, <laughs> remedy the situation by heading over to Steam and perhaps uh, wishlisting the game that I think is makes a little bit more sense at the top spot because Elden Ring since then has overtaken Dying Light Two and is now Steam's most wishlist game, which. I think, Chris, that kind of lines up with what you'd expect for the the year ahead, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so, especially kind of so close to launch. That's um, the key thing, yeah, as well. Yeah, I, like, I don't know. I, I think it's it's exciting, man. And, and like, I still kind of pinch myself, not just the fact that Elden Ring is coming out, but also that Dying Light 2 is coming out, like, so yeah. early and so soon. It's like, wow, okay, and like... like they're probably both going to land because like, they're both, admittedly in their own ways, and Dying Light 2 is much more dramatic than Elden Rings, but they both kind of got delayed to arrive at the points that they're currently set for. And now, yeah. you know, mid-January, like I think they're both going to land next month. Well, yes, although in, in, in what state? Because you did well, mention the, the, big, the big cybernetic punk in the uh, you know, in in the room, the cyber it's elephant, like, yeah, the cyber elephant, like cyberpunk got delayed, fine, and we were like, yeah, delay it because we want a cool game. Came out, game was like stuffed. Yeah. Okay, to be fair, Elden Ring had a network test, and by all means, the network 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 test was pretty solid. I think the only issue that people were having were uh, potentially some frame rate drops, uh, depending on the hardware. But you know, so yeah. be it. But fundamentally, the game was enjoyable. And like, oh, it, it was the best thing I fucking played last year. I'm, no joke. And not not to gas you up, but I'm pretty confident in saying that Elden Ring will be one of the most popular, best-selling, and critically acclaimed games of the. I, I 
I can't see Elden Ring going. Elden Ring going wrong. Sorry, yeah. Elden wrong. Elden wrong. I can't see Elden Ring going wrong. That's hard to say. Yeah, no, no. I, um, I, I think it's. I agree with it. you, but but more more saying it for the benefit of Dying Light Two. Like yes, by, by all means, I want it to be fucking good, and I want it to be better than good because I think Techland, you know, they it, they seem to put a lot of work into it, and it seems like they're ready to kind of jump up to that next level. Hmm. But if, I can't help but thinking that with all of these like little vignettes that they've been releasing, like every, like oh, we're gonna focus on this little fucking portion of the game and this aspect of it, it it's just like Night City Wire kind of flashbacks. Yeah, I will. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of get into the Dying Light Two situation in a bit here because there were a few other bullet points that revealed themselves this week. But you have also yeah. just triggered another question for me, which is: I was listening to another podcast, uh, the Minmas <gasps> podcast. What? I'll say, yeah, I know, shock horror, shoot me. And they were doing something of a 2022 preview as well, and they yeah. kind of had an interesting perspective, which is: what is going to be 2022 cyberpunk? Um, and there were a few ah. kind of guesses in there. Uh, one of which, for example, was Starfield, which if it does come out this year, which is t- technically still slated for, um, uh, th- that could come out a bit hot because Bethesda <laughs> games of that ilk have done in the past. They were looking less at like the kind of the gulf between anticipation or hype and reality and more like yeah. which is going to be the game that's going to be a constant shit show of apologies and shits and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. That, there, there was some oh, mention of like games question. like Saints Row. Some people think that Forspoken could be a bit of a yikes. Uh, yeah. Pokemon yeah, Legends. Yeah. Arceus. A couple of yeah. people worried. I think I think that's gonna that's a fair shout. Um I'll I'll be honest, I think I think Starfield will be okay. I think it'll come with its usual element of Bethesda Jank. Okay. Fine. Like I've never had an issue with Bethesda's jank, as it were. Uh, but some people do. It rubs some people up the wrong way. I don't mind it too much. I think maybe where Starfield's going to fall down is I think it's going to be conceptually a difficult game to love. Hmm. Interesting. What do you yeah. mean by that? Like, I, I think there's a fun... In, unless I'm completely wrong about what the game is, which is entirely possible because we don't know much. True. But from what I understand and what I've been reading and what I've kind of piece together myself is you know it, it's not Skyrim in space they've said this much themselves mm-hmm. but I think of stuff like I don't know I think if you're trying to be like an authentic space sim and exploring different different worlds and areas and there's survival elements where it's like how much fucking gas uh, uh, air do I have in my tank and whatever I think it's going to be maybe they're trying to go too far into the um spaced simulation route okay right and i think that's going to put a lot of people off. a bit too much outer wilds not enough outer worlds maybe. yeah yeah exactly exactly that, okay that's that's actually a decent you know way of putting it I, I could see that being the case and it will be interesting to see um whether or not starfield delivers whether or not it becomes the cyberpunk of the year and whether or not dying like two will be in the conversation yeah, but ultimately, Jamie, it doesn't matter because it's on fucking Game Pass. <laughs> it's true, actually. <laughs> uh, that is one thing that Starfield and a good number of other games have going for them. Um, not on Game Pass, though, and that's why they are presumably being uh, wishlisted so much on Steam are the remainder of the games that kind of rounded up the top five, if you will, 
because Dying Light 2, obviously still in second place at the time of recording. Uh, quite impressively, Gaharis, the game that snuck up to third place, which is a mm. game that I didn't know existed until it was at Microsoft's E3 press conference in the summer, Party Animals, yeah. the kind of gangbeast-looking yes, right. game, but with animals. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. It, it, it's almost like the subgenre, right, of like uh, weirdly physicsed, like cartoony looking things like you think of fall guys you think yep. of gang beasts like you mentioned uh, you think of human fall flat it's almost like a subgenre of its own but yeah party animals looks Pe- great people like ragdolls i think that's yeah. what we can say quite definitively but Pe- it's a it's a free to play game though right oh is it? okay i didn't know that that would make I, I don't know sense. i don't know i don't know i'm asking well free to play or not it currently sits in third place and i will say also rounding out the top five are the pc port of god of war which i don't believe is actually out yet but has received some previews this week and even reviews and is being well received i think it's fair to say um in some cases extremely it, well received yeah it, it makes me want it <laughs> I, I, someone like, who thinks like, about replaying that game sometimes i agree yeah, it's tough though, right? Because obviously now I've got PS5, and I can play. I can play it at four cases. Yes, you can. But there's there's always that like you know it's more knobs to kind of turn. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, I get you. When it's on PC, yeah. Um, and those knobs feel good. <laughs> I I need those knobs. They feel fucking great. <laughs> um, <laughs> rounding out that list, by the way. Uh, Steam users giving their props mm. to a piece of vaporware. Not really sure why, but Hollow Knight Silk Song rounding out the list. <laughs> uh, also known as the game that will never come out. Uh, number five on Steam's most wishlist games list. Did you find out if Party Animals was free, was free to play, by the way? I, I've been looking. I can't see anything definitively. Okay. Well, Chris, um... Um, the good news is that even if Hollow Knight Silk Song might take a long time to come out. We have plenty to do in the meantime, uh, as Techland kindly reminded us this week, because going back to Dying Light 2, there is one other thing I wanted to mention. They uh, raised both headlines and eyebrows earlier this week (laughs) when they tweeted out that it would take 500 hours to, in their own words, fully complete Dying Light 2, which was another one of many tweets this week that we shared in our WhatsApp group to uh, incredulous (laughs) responses, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, now, it, it, yeah, it it, it 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 was kind of like there's that saying, right? Like fucking weird flex, but okay. Right, right, exactly. Especially like, I just felt like we as a people had unanimously moved past the bigger equals better debate when it came to game length. Yeah, like no totally. one, very few people actively want a 500 hour long game anymore. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Now. They have since clarified that this 500-hour time referred to a 100% completion rate, and they said to complete the main story, it would take just 20 hours, which I think is a little bit more in line with expectations. Although we'll say, um, it's funny, I don't usually read Jonesy's tweets and replies to tweets, just the tweets that he puts himself. (laughs) Um, When the 500 hours propaganda was being spread, he didn't stop Jonesy replying uh, and pledging to spend the month ignoring his family and playing while he was eating. To ensure that he could finish Dying Light Two in its entirety, I, I, I get, I get the sentiment. Like I, I'm already, I've prepped my wife. I said, when Elden Ring drops, she's going to be a widow. Like she's not going to see me. <laughs> I'm not a father anymore from that day. Yeah, yeah, but but it, it is kind of weird though, right? Because if you think like, how long would it take you to 100% Skyrim? 
Uh, right, like right. Good question. Do, do, do you know what I mean? Like, it, can it, you? Can you, Chris? Because the radiant quests. As well, I was going to say that the radiant system probably means you can't. Um, but yeah, like, what does it mean? Does it mean that you have to turn over every single rock in the fucking game? Who knows? Right, exactly. But yeah, just like five hundred hours. Like, man, like, like twenty hours is, is is a decent amount of time, right? Like, I remember when we were looking at um, uh. Fucking what is it? Uh, Death Stranding and Days Gone, and we're like, these games are too long. Yeah, yeah, because like, they were it, it, they were approached the fifty to sixty hour mark, right? Even for yeah. a regular playthrough. Yeah, and and actually, funnily enough, all the reports that are coming out on the Days Gone stuff, I believe you guys covered last week. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of the like the fucking creative director, whoever he was, came out saying like, oh yeah, you know, it was it was a a timing thing and a scope thing and blah blah. It's like you fucking. You wanted a 50-hour fucking game, you knob. Yeah. Make it a 14-hour game and you don't run into those fucking issues. And then you can have time to polish. Like, I, sometimes, th- thinking in memes, Jamie, it's like that fucking image of the guy on the bicycle and then he sticks the, the stick in his own fucking spokes and then right. he, his bike falls over and he, like, I don't know, blames the fucking immigrants or something. Like... This is what's happening. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, Sony, you know, we we sold fucking however many and they still cancel. It's like, yeah, but you're a fucking idiot. Yes. Uh, sorry, but you are. Do you, want to, do you want to else backs up that guy potentially being something of an idiot? Is that he <laughs> yeah. mentioned that um, he, that Days Gone had uh, matched Ghost of Tsushima's 8 million sales. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. whenever it was, 2019, 2020, like a, a, a while ago. It's since come out that the metric that he was probably using to get that number was achievement or trophy tracking websites that are very often incorrect and have uh, <laughs> bloated numbers for a number of different reasons. And so yeah. a lot of people now think that he was actually wrong in claiming uh, yeah. that many sales. Fair enough. Yeah, but even so, like, if you say, oh, yeah, the game was, you know, not as polished as it could have been because we just ran out of time. Don't make your game fucking 40 plus hours then, you asshole. No, no, I, I, and, I and, and then And then go on Twitter like, Two, two, three years later, and complain about it. Yeah, I'm so like, like, look, I, I, I do feel bad that they, that everything that happened to Ben Studios, but like, get some fucking perspective. Get an editor. Like, we have them in video. Why don't we have more of them in games? Like, get someone in to be like, look, my game is sixty hours long right now. It probably needs to be thirty. <laughs> like, yeah. Al- although, if we do what we used to do on some of our edits, where it's like. <laughs> For context, when we used to edit um, all-time tens, which were obviously like top ten listicle-based things, and at the start of it, like at the time, YouTube's algorithm would favor like five-minute-long videos, so we'd make five-minute-long videos, and we'd send it to our, like our producer, and the producer would be like, "Yeah, I just, I just feel it needs to be like a little bit snappier, like maybe like ten percent snappier." So we just used to t- nest <laughs> the whole sequence and speed it up by 10% and like yeah. yeah job done turns out that if Deacon St. John's running speed has increased just this little <laughs> bit then five hours comes off just like that I mean um, probably not wrong you know and that's maybe something that Dying Light 2 could learn actually just increase the player movement speed and, and you've got it sorted um, hell yeah or maybe they should just take more tips from the fine developers behind Shadow Warrior 3 uh, because mm. they, as they are known to do with their own unique sense of humor, took advantage of this whole, uh, the whole hot air that was being spread around Dying Light 2 by pointing out that their game will take 500 hours to complete 60 times. 
um, for anyone in the uh, <laughs> interested in doing that. Um, Chris ran the m- numbers on this earlier. He got the calculator out, or maybe did in his head. Maybe he's a, a savant. I don't know. Uh, that's 8.3 hours long. Uh, as far as campaign, actually, Jamie, go. it's uh, eight point three 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 recurring. Look, I'm reading off a piece of paper that you wrote a number <laughs> down on, Mister. You didn't put enough threes, <laughs> and and I did use a calculator because I can't fucking do maths. Oh, I'm, d- d- I'm, d- a, I'm a video what? editor, not no, a mathematician. When it comes to fucking like hell. recurring numbers or like fractions, like that's like five hundred divided by sixty sounds easy, and then you try and do it, and you're like, oh, that's not a whole number. I can't do that anymore. <laughs> it's somewhere in this ballpark. Yeah. Um. Do you know what else is, is somewhere in the ballpark of the next two weeks, but I don't know exactly when because I'm bad with dates, Chris? <laughs> Tell me. Pokemon Legends Arceus, the oh, brand new open world Breath of the Wild defied take on Pokemon by the good folks at Game Freak who have been taking the time while other companies have been coming in to do remakes <laughs> of classic titles like Diamond and Pearl to make a big blowout run around and presumably do something we don't know yet pokemon game um <laughs> open world baby yes uh yeah 28th of january jamie is when it's coming up so like that's soon this is a game that is basically weeks, ready yeah. to come out which means that the brand new 13 minute gameplay video that we got today at the time of recording is pretty indicative of the experiences that some players may well be having on january 28th chris which i've got to say from a personal perspective is an interesting proposition Right, okay, let, let, let's let out, right? Because I am not a Pokemon fan. I don't play Pokemon games, so I don't care about this game. But I know that you are a Pokemon fan. You mm. enjoy Pokemon. You are a Pokemon connoisseur. Well, <laughs> kind of. In, in, like, in a situation like this, you talking to me, I'm a Pokemon connoisseur. Compared to Pokemon connoisseurs, I'm not a Pokemon connoisseur. Right, sure, no, I get that, I get that, I get that. But yeah, like for me, like what do I care? I'm not going to play this fucking game, right? True, you know. But it, it is interesting. Like when I, I, I did watch the 13 minute presentation, mm. and I did message you to get your take on it because I am interested. Because personally, I've got to be honest. Like yeah. I know what Pokemon is, and I know the kind of flow of what you do with Pokemon, and this seemed very strange to me. Yeah, very kind of weird. Strange is a good word for it. Um. I think the conflict for me largely lies in the fact that some form of open world 3D Pokemon game of this kind has been something that players such as myself have wanted for an extremely long time. It was very hard, especially in the days of the uh, the Game Boy and the Game Boy Color titles uh, back in the 90s, to not imagine Pokemon providing experience some, like, like like this at some point in the future. And they've kind of bordered on it. There were a few games, like, for example, on the GameCube and the Wii, uh, and I think maybe on the Wii U that kind of flirted with more, you know, th- a 3D presentation. And obviously mm. there were elements in, uh, was it Sun and Moon? Um, or Sword and Shield, rather. The, the last um, actually made-for-Switch games that had areas specifically where you could sort of, like, roam around and there was a, a 3D camera controls. This is them clearly building out on some of those ideas and applying. I, I know it's a bit of a meme to say this, but genuinely they are applying a bit of a Breath of the Wild style feel to both the open world and the exploration oh, within it. Dude, even down to some of the some of the fucking sound effects that Agreed. were happening. I was like, that's Agreed. from fucking. I was like, that that's a Breath of the Wild fucking sound effect. What's going yeah. on here? No, it's true. Like though there are some memes that we're just going to have to get used to the fact that they are they more and more they are appropriate. Some open world games are genuinely like Breath of the Wild. Some animated games do genuinely have Pixar like graphics. I know it's a meme, 
but it's also <laughs> true. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I guess probably similar to you, Chris, in, in a roundabout way, I kind of watched it, and it was interesting to see this game's take on some of the fundamentals of the Pokemon experience, which is... Um, encountering Pokemon in the wild, engaging Pokemon in the wild, catching Pokemon in the wild, a battle system, and so on and so yeah. forth. It was yeah. very hard to know what their ambitions are beyond that. Because while yes. I can see why there might be appeal to exploring an open world, even if it did look a little barren at times, and filling out a Pokedex, and that maybe you encountering unique or rare Pokemon in the wild from that 3D perspective has some more awe to it that we don't get in a traditional 2D presentation but otherwise I, d I, I don't know what sustains the enjoyment and the length of that game um, yeah yeah yeah. there's a point where the player character well, Jamie when, when, you're, when, you're playing, when you're playing the game for 500 hours to catch them all <sighs> see how's it going to feel I'm just going to have to play while I'm eating and, and pretend my family don't exist, Chris. It's really that simple. <laughs> you you um, do that anyway, Jamie. So. You're wrong. I, you're right. I mean, I don't, I don't have family. I killed them all to play more Pokemon. You um, ate them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> ate them. Two birds, one stone. Full belly but, and no uh, more family. <laughs> um, yeah, the but thing I was going to... Sorry. Yeah. I, well, I was going to say, the, the, the one thing that I was kind of like wondering about is like, why why make it like, oh, it's the ancient region and the Pokemon are all wild and Pokemon and humans don't exist. Like, I get, like, it's an interesting kind of spin. But it yeah. almost seems to me like they're just afraid to kind of take this formula and put it to, like, a mainline series. Yeah. And it's almost like the mainline series are, are, are so often contained within a structure that makes so much sense. And gamers are so familiar with, for better or for worse. It's almost like some of that stuff was too scary for them from this perspective. Like, let's be honest, their open world doesn't look or run particularly well. And it's no. just an open wilderness, okay? Um, yeah. It looks worse than Breath of the Wild, and at points it runs worse than Breath of the Wild, and that was a launch game on the Switch. Um, now imagine that. <laughs> not, not just the launch game on the Switch, buddy. And look, it was on the Wii U. It's a Wii U yeah, game. Yeah, it's a Wii U game. You're right. Um, the, the Switch is basically like a port of the Wii U game. So right? there's a part of me that looks at it and it was like, oh, when Game Freak had the conversation about, well, hang on, Sword and Shield had basically cities and, you know, like skyscrapers, and you had battles in gyms with elaborate designs and stuff. They were like, we can't do that. Like, we, uh, yeah. we can't. And so maybe that's why it's been simplified, because I agree, it does feel strange. And it also lends itself to the system where it's like, okay, well, what are you trying to do to progress through this game? And what are your objectives? And there's a point where the player character goes into a town and talks to an NPC and is given essentially side quests. And I remember slowing it down and reading the description of the side quests. And all of them amounted to go out, catch this Pokemon, come back and show it to me. And there's a part of me that worries that Pokemon Legends Arceus is entirely built around the concept of what happens if you're allowed to go out and interact with and catch Pokemon in the wild and that's it. Yeah. And that would be very disappointing. It wouldn't be enough. Let, let me let me ask you a question because I, I I wonder if this is a pattern that they're going through, right? Like I like I said, I don't fucking follow Pokemon, so who knows what the fucking what my opinion on what Game Freak does or the fucking Pokemon company. But um I see a pattern that they release a game like uh, Let's Go Eevee. Right. Right? Yep. And then the next mainline title has more elements taken from Let's Go Eevee. Mm. So like almost as if like Let's Go Eevee is the test bed. 
as the lesser non-mainline title. Right. Is this purely a test bed for the next mainline title to be like this? But hey, yeah, guess what, guys? It's fucking cities and shit because that's what we, we maybe giving ourselves time to do. But like test beds aren't successful if everyone hates them. That's the problem they're going to have. And also, <laughs> like test beds aren't successful if people go, look, there's something here, but this gives us no confidence that Game Freak are the people to do it. And that's but the is thing. It, Sorry. It, is it also a thing that's like, yeah, but it's Pokemon. Like, Pokemon fucking sells. Does it matter? <laughs> that, I think that's that's an internal outlook. I think yeah. that's not met with that much. Um, I don't think that holds that much water with actual Pokemon fans anymore nowadays. Obviously, sales will still be completely fine because there are enough of us that are crazy. And we like to <laughs> get angry about the things that we've invested in for one reason or another. Um, yeah. But I still think there are problems here. And I, like, I genuinely, it sounds like I'm being harsh. I think the problem lies in the fact that, like, Game Freak have been unable for the last, like, decade plus to progress that formula in a meaningful way. Pokemon, despite it being incredibly successful, has continued to drag its heels in a number of different ways. And this was their opportunity to say, hey, look, we're doing the thing we probably should have done a long time ago. It's something new, it's big, it's different, and it's still Pokemon. And I, I'm genuinely worried it's not going to work. Because they're just not the company for it. Yeah. But it is but it is big and different though. Maybe. It's big and different, and I give them credit for doing it. I give them I I, I give them credit for saying we're gonna try and make this. But I'm worried about yeah. it. I am genuinely worried about it. I think even just by looking at it, you can tell that like something's not quite right. Is there a chance that the nay- naysayers are gonna be proved wrong? Of course. Of course. I still think that and maybe this is just me covering my back because I am being a little bit pessimistic here and I apologise for being pessimistic. I think there's a chance that if the naysayers are proved wrong, it is broadly just because actually this game isn't that bad and a lot of people therefore end up being stuck between, like, if you weren't sure about it or you're going in open-minded, you have a surprisingly good time. If you're committed to or even yet obsessed with Pokemon, you're guaranteed to have a good time and so everything else just gets washed out. Because, like... If, so you, if you so ask, you're saying it's a Metroid Dread? Maybe. <laughs> but but if Me- Metroid Dread, if the if games like Metroid Dread had come out once a year, every year for the last two decades and still never changed. Like if yeah, you yeah. if you ask me what the Metacritic scores for the last like five mainline and non-mainline Pokemon score games were like on, on Metacritic, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I guess that most of them landed in the low eighties, but I don't know. Because no one really cares anymore. There's too many of us that just buy it because we're fucking brain dead. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's that's the foot in the door that Pokemon Legends will have. Um, I so just, what are the what are the latest Pokemon's? Um, uh, the one that came out this fall was brilliant, shining, di- di- brilliant shining, yeah, brilliant diamond and shining pearl. Is it? Okay, so let's see. So shining pearl is on seventy three. Yes, and brilliant diamonds on seventy three. Yeah, and then before and before that, that was Sword and Shield. Yeah, I believe so. Anyway, okay, let's have a look. Eighty uh, percent for Sword, eighty percent for Shield. So, like, kind of average. Yeah, like in the grand scheme of things. And it yeah, was Sun yeah, and like- Sun and Moon, and I, I, that was uh, back on the three uh, DS. And I know some people like Sun and Moon a lot. I didn't like uh, Sun and Moon that much personally. But I know I was an outlier there. Uh, 
you see sun sun and moon are 87 yeah see that's good that's good yeah yeah 87 87 is fucking solid but the, the point i was making is like I, I didn't know any of that off the top of my head because like there is a part of pokemon that just like it gets to people who we don't care that much like pokemon's pokemon and that's why I give them credit for challenging the status quo because they're making a Pokemon that isn't just Pokemon anymore. But like that could also be their Achilles heel, and it it, it, hurt, yeah. it hurts to say that because again, I want to give them credit for doing something different and finally stepping out of that comfort zone. Because Lord knows, Game Freak could have continued to make a Pokemon game in that same vein once every two years and printed money until the cows came home. And they're trying <laughs> to rock the Casba. I hope it works out. I'm just slightly nervous. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll yeah. see. Yeah, I, I'm just happy that the, a prediction I made many years ago is starting to come true, buddy. What's that? That uh, that uh, Breath of the Wild was going to be such an influential game that so many games are going to start trying to emulate it. Oh, mate, like we've already spent some of this podcast talking about Elden Ring. Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild comparisons will be a dime a dozen. Yeah. Uh yeah. this time in in six weeks' time. Yeah. Yeah. Um But you know what, Chris? No matter how well received games like Elden Ring and Pokemon Legends Arceus are, we don't always have to buy our games because some people out there in the industry are just crazy enough to basically give us them for free. Um, just about, yeah. Just about. We have to pay for the privilege, but it works out in the long run, uh, as is often the case with Game Pass. The subscription da, 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 service da. provided. It's the weekly Game Pass shill. Yeah, still somehow not sponsored, but you'll be forgiven for thinking otherwise by the end of this <laughs> segment. I think it's just worth noting, Chris, though, that, you know, look, obviously the games industry is, is getting pretty hot and heavy quite early on in the year. There's a number of heavy hits coming out in both January and February, but Game Pass aren't letting themselves lag behind the rest of the industry and other major paid releases because they are coming with their own heavy hitters. Um, yeah. We've already had a number of, like, we had a decent start to the year. We're talking about games like uh, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, a big deal for some people came to Game Pass earlier this year. Uh, Co-op yeah. Shooter, The Anacrusis, and Spelunky 2 launched today at the time of recording. Um, yeah. And there's some other big heavy hitters. Hitman Trilogy, which is a package of all three Hitman games that got announced today. That's coming and to that's Game Pass. Great. That is, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's so much value right there and there alone if you've never played one of those. Even if you have played one of those. And also, value for money, Rainbow Six Extraction, which at one point was Ubisoft's next big Rainbow Six game, is now launching day and date on Xbox Game Pass for Xbox and PC. Um, so that's a game... <laughs> they Well, they kind of had to, I think. I mean, yeah, we were kind of joking around before looking at that game's price, which in the UK is at the £45 mark for the cross-gen bundle, and the fact that it has a buddy pass uh, for the retail version yeah. that basically lets you let two of your friends play the game for free for two weeks. Um, it seems like Ubisoft are very much going with the let's get as many people playing this game as possible strategy um, for our six. Yeah, it worked with them with uh, Hyperscape for sure, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, free to play really was the way to go for Hyperscape. Um, it, 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 it is a... Like say what you want about how Rainbow Six Extract. I, I think it looks okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm keen to play it, and I'm glad that I don't have to spend money on it. Yeah, because because if I had to buy this game, even at forty five pounds, um, which is like not a full price thing, I don't think I would have done it. To be honest, me neither. Me neither. You know, 
and 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 this may maybe just kind of say like, oh, you can play this game with your friends now because you can. I it's think, like, yeah, yeah, perfect. I think it's the most logical fit for Game Pass outside of first party content. It's targeting those games that are like, yeah. oh, I don't have to pay for that. I might as well try it. They they do that really well, and I think. Like even like looking at the Anacrut, look I know look I know we don't need more co-op like Left 4 Dead style shooters, <laughs> but the fact that there are like former Valve staff involved in that, like that Chet Falacek guy or whatever Chet he's called, Falacek, yeah, um, like that might be something that I could potentially like put it this way: it's going to be easier to get a group together for the Anacrusis or for Rainbow Six Extraction than it will be for me to convince you and Jonesy to buy Ready or Not, which I was talking about last week, yeah. which is still thirty pounds yeah. in early access, yeah. Yeah, um, and and that game looks great, and it looks fun, and I'd like to try it, but I just like my lifestyle and my schedule. Yeah, like, nah. Uh, we had the same thing end. last year where you and Jonesy played Chivalry Two, and I didn't join in the fun because I couldn't afford to spend that much money on a multiplayer-only game at that point. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I have a feeling it's going to be a big year for Game Pass, man. Like, and not just like looking at the Bethesda stuff or this. I, I think they're going to have loads more fucking things up their sleeves. I, I think we're going to be surprised by a lot more kind of day one inclusions. I'm, um, I'm yeah. looking at some, reminding myself some of the things that are guaranteed to come to Game Pass this year. Um, Somerville, the uh, new game from the former um, Inside and Limbo devs. Um, oh, right, yeah. Starfield, we obviously talked about. Redfall from Arcane. Slime Rancher yeah. 2 is day one on Game Pass. Uh, Tunic. <laughs> nice. Uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns is apparently. Oh no! But I think this is just. No, I think it was uh, Game Pass. Maybe it is. I'm not sure. Atomic Heart. Um, right. Yeah. Obviously, Rainbow Six Extraction. Destiny Two is all on there now. Uh, a Plague Tale Requiem. Um, yeah, man. Like, I, I think it's be a fucking baller year for them again. It did just get delayed, but Stalker Two still set for this year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Hashtag games. <laughs> games, son. I'd like to see them do like like a really fucking big move. Like, I know at one point I just had this fucking super sneaky suspicion that they were going to release Cyberpunk as like part of their launch hmm. title. It never happened. It's still not on Games Pass, but like, who's to say that, uh, you know, a relaunch of Cyberpunk couldn't, yeah, you know, hit Game Pass. I think that could be. No, that that's totally plausible. But but I'd like to see them like have something big. Like I I don't think it's going to happen this time around. But like let's say if they say came around and said yeah Elden Ring, it's there. I could I could see them doing something crazy this year. Or, sure. or, or like Silk Song, fucking bam, there you go. Yeah, I could. I I don't I don't know what it's going to be, but yeah, the idea of Microsoft like yeah. I mean, these guys spent billions of dollars on Bethesda, you know, like, and yeah. and one thing, you know, if we're listening to the podcast and recording this podcast in the last year or so is that acquisitions are still the talk of the town because turns out, you know, COVID's good for business. People have cash to burn and, you know, even Sony, like they're making smaller acquisitions, but, you know, every game, every company that published a good game on, on PlayStation last year exclusively got bought. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's a good time to be one of those devs. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I, you know what? I'd, I'd really like to see. I'd like to see Activision Blizzard burn so much that Microsoft swoop in and take Blizzard away from Activision. 
Can you imagine if Microsoft buy the rights to buy, like, buy out Blizzard and their IP, and like Overwatch becomes like a Microsoft Game Studios published uh, title? It would be crazy, but it would Game actually Pass. be perfect, wouldn't it? And that would mean our Overwatch Lego would actually come out. <laughs> did you see that new story? Yeah, I did. Jesus Christ, yeah. Um, People are distancing themselves from, from Blizzard stuff, man, because, hey, guess what? They've been fucking quiet in the news, but uh, that doesn't mean that they're better. No, it, it doesn't. It often, in, in often cases, it means the opposite. It means they're still working through fixing a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah, I um, believe um, the Raven staff are still striking. It's true, yeah. That's the Activision side of thing bubbling over as well. Probably why Warzone's on fire. And you know what? I'm not <coughs> going to give them a hard time because that that's their right to strike, and I hope that they they get what they're demanding. Yeah, um, absolutely. Man. Talking though about Game Pass and mm. about all the things that they have lined up, even if they don't pull out a you know some crazy Uno reverse card of a of a move and publish something I, crazy I, day one. I, I, I'd put money on the fact that they will have at least one, like, Uno fucking reverse card. Okay, well then let me ask you this, Mr. Gambler. What mm. kind of money would you put on Sony playing an Uno reverse card of their own of so- at some point this year? Because previously on this podcast, we have talked about the imminent arrival of what is being referred to as the sort of the Spartacus program or the so, just let's just say Spartacus, which sort the of, Spartacus protocol. I, I, it just makes it sound more grand when you say shit like that. I like it. <laughs> um, but put it this way behind the scenes, Spartacus essentially refers to PlayStation's plan to roll up a lot of the services they have in play at the moment, like PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus basically roll them into one service that itself then has tiers with different degrees of rewards that were traditionally as part of the now or the plus uh, services tied to those tiers depending on how much you're playing um per month and of course yeah. the question then is how far will sony go to match microsoft on a service like game pass now i think most people agree in a year where we're looking at the likes of God of War, Ragnarok, and Horizon Forbidden West coming out, they're probably not going to go the whole hog when it comes to first-party titles being day and date on the platform. But seeing as you've made a bold prediction about Xbox's 2022 when it comes to Game Pass, what do you think the potential is for Spartacus? Uh, like, like how far can it go? Yeah, like how far can it go and how far will Sony take it? Do you think they're going to pull any crazy money moves as well, whether it comes to acquisitions or the type of titles they put on some kind of tiered subscription service? Man. Do you think it is actually a Game Pass rival or it's just them cleaning up their subscription services a little bit and streamlining? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's them cleaning up their subscription services for sure. I don't think that they... I don't think that they want to and I don't think that they can rival Game Pass. Right. All right? Let, let me put it this way. Microsoft and Xbox, by extension, right, needed to launch Game Pass. Mm-hmm. They needed to. They needed to do that. Sony don't need to do that. Correct. Right? Yeah. Sony do not need to say, we will have a subscription service that you will get God of War for free mm-hmm. as part of that service day and date. Agreed. They don't need to. They don't need to do that whatsoever. What they do need to do is start is continue focusing acquisitions or not like who fucking cares but what they need to do is if you think of like the the last two to three years of the playstation 4's life life cycle and you think of their e3 shows 
they yeah. would go to E3, they'd be like, yeah, we've got three games we're going to show you. Mm-hmm. We're going to spend 20 minutes on each mm-hmm. as a fucking presentation. Mm. And they need to take that ethos and just expand it and saying, we're not going to release 50 games from our first party studios. We're going to release 10 games from our first party studios in this year. And each and every single one of them, because of our acquisitions and our support, mm-hmm. are going to be fucking killer. And that's that a completely divergent part, uh, pathing to what Xbox are doing with Games Pass. Games Pass is more like uh, quantity over quality, even though quality does exist within their quantity. Whereas Sony are saying purely quality. And yes, I, th- I think both things are good for the industry especially when they live side by side. So, yeah, that's, it's not a bold prediction. I mean, that's no, it, but it I, seems but fucking I, but obvious to I, me. No, it, but it, it's not bold, but it's not obvious, but that's because I think you're correct. Like, I think that's the right way of looking at it. I think that's the way Sony see things as well. Um, yeah. Basically, what I'm saying is I'm a CEO and waiting for Sony. I'm ready to make the big bucks, Jamie. That's what I'm saying. Will you make more or less than Robert Anticole? That remains to be seen, but um, I'd like to think you have you as, as, as at least a nine-figure CEO, Chris, when it comes to the I, I appreciate that, but you know what? I'm willing to take a pay cut just because I'm so passionate about the industry. You know, I'll, I'll take a cool 10 mil. I don't, I, I, don't need, I don't need to be top 20. You know? this, is, this is why you're a good guy, Chris, and this is why whatever company you are CEO of will no doubt go from strength to strength in this, in these increasingly yeah. troubled times. Yeah. Um, but you yeah. I, I think going back to what we were saying, I broadly agree. Um, and hey, like even I think one thing that's going to be completely uh, true, secondary to everything you're saying, is that both tactics, no matter how different they seem on paper, will continue to work for each company. And the strength of Game Pass will continue to benefit Xbox and the uh, associated brands. And the strength of Sony's full-priced quadruple-A first-party titles that sell, you know, uh, eight-figure numbers um, yeah. each will also take the PlayStation brand from strength to strength. Um, and in fact, yeah. talking about Game Pass is already evidence that uh, it is doing the brand some good because Xbox Series X and S, I believe, both had yeah. um, incredible Christmas periods. And the Series yeah. X in particular had a clear December selling over one million units in the UK to date. In fact, I can confirm that my younger brothers are now the proud owners <laughs> of an Xbox Series X because apparently that's what all their friends are on, is the Xbox Well, that's, that's what it's about, right? Like, it's, it's, it, it's what system is all your friends getting. Like, yeah. It doesn't matter if Xbox or PlayStation, which one is better doesn't matter about any of that it's like i'm playing my games on this console so all my other friends are going to get that console and vice versa it's exactly what happened with them and very hush hush in the meantime xbox one production has ceased so r.i.p to i was going to say one of the ogs but it's kind of like one of the shit ogs like (laughs) r.i.p to the fuck up that xbox had to make to realize what they should have been doing the whole time and i'm glad they got there eventually um yeah Don hey, Matrick. you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs, right? Yeah. I wonder how much Don Matrick made uh, during his <laughs> tenure in the run-up to and the launch of the Xbox yeah. One. Um, but you, you know what is the most interesting thing for me? What? Is the Xbox Series S. Mm-hmm. What a fucking killer, killer, killer console that is yeah. when married with Game Pass. I agree. I agree. I vaguely remember, um, maybe this is just like, me making things up for the sake of my own like 
ego, but I vaguely remember us having arguments and conversations in the run-up to the launches of the PlayStation 5, the Series S, and the Series X. And I think the way I remember it, you're going to have to correct me, or maybe the folks at home can correct me, but you and I kind of understood the business approach behind the Series S and why it could work. And Jonesy was the one who was like, I just don't get it. Like, why does it yeah, exist? of course. No, um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And and it, it it's not even that I think we thought it could work. It, we saw it as the fucking spearhead of the movement, I right? Mean, yeah. And, it makes perfect sense. And, and and I still remember to there that Jonesy was arguing with me about the Xbox Series S being a next-gen console. Right. When when rea- reality is it doesn't matter about the resolution of frame rates, all that matters is have Xbox put it on a shelf next to a Series X and said, this is the cheaper next-gen console. This yeah, is the alternative. Yeah. Like, if the answer is yes, then that's what it is. Because, yeah. hey, guess and, what? And- my brother and my dad don't know what fucking resolution are, but they nearly bought a Series S this year if the X wasn't available. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and I remember Jonesy had an argument with me. I don't really mean to bring it up if he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> no, this is the best time. He- it is the best time. Okay, good. Well, he did fucking say it, right? Um, we, we talk about like Halo Infinite as, as a test case. It would be like 4K60 was what Xbox uh, Series X was gunning for. Yeah. And I said that there's no reason that they can't take that exact same game and have 1080-60. And Jonesy mm-hmm. was like, are you mad? Are you mad? For that price and blah, blah, blah. It can't happen. Look what's fucking happening. Yeah. Because it's like fucking simple. It's so obvious that that's what it was capable of and that's what they were trying to go for. Yeah. And it makes so much sense. Like you say, like, just because we're fucking nerds that care about resolution and frame rate, like, the layman's person doesn't care that their game is running at 60 Mm -hmm. or 25 or whatever. Or they don't care if it's 4K, uh, full res 4K or checkerboard 4K or 1080, you know. Most people don't have a fucking 4K TV, so what point no. is having an Xbox Series X then? Exactly. Like, it just makes so much fucking sense, more so now than it did when they announced it, even though, you know, toot my own horn, that we fucking well, understood it to a T. Us and Phil Spencer and his Magic 8-Ball, I think that's really yeah. the only yeah. people who saw this coming. And you know what? Again, again, Jamie, CEO and waiting. Right, yeah. I, you know what? I could believe it. I don't know what kind of company, but I can believe it. Uh, we'll we'll find out one day. And I'll say, as someone who doesn't even own a Series S or a Series X, I'm glad everything is kind of working out for all of the major console manufacturers at the moment. They're all doing their own thing, and they're all going about it in their own way. They're and all they all seem, it, yeah. They all seem happy. Like, they're not stepping yeah. on each other's toes. Um, and... I'm sure somewhere, it, like in some random office, somewhere in like Sega's headquarters, one of them's going like, "Like, why was it like this when we did this? Like, why did we have to get iced out?" Yeah, although I did read a great article recent uh, this week about the Sega 32X attachment for the Genesis. Dearie me! And it was a, it's a, a fascinating article, and, and like basically saying how Sega just shot themselves in the foot without any need well do you remember like nintendo were did they make or were they going to make um something like that for the nintendo 64 remember when we were when we made yes, a video- the 64 dd yeah yeah and that was that yeah. they're gonna be their solution to getting final fantasy 7 running on the n64 until square were like actually this is more of a playstation game <laughs> um yeah because they gave us lots of money. Yeah, they gave us money. And also, they turns out they've got this whole 3D graphics thing down to a bit more of a T than you guys. You'll get there. 
but these cartridges, yeah. the cartridges have got to go. Um, <laughs> GameCube, the, game, then the GameCube came along and was like, we got rid of the cartridges. How big are your discs? Uh, well, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. But look, Wind Waker. Yeah, exactly. No one's going to pirate it. Wow. Um, great. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, that about does it, Chris, unless you've got anything else to add on that um, that last talking point. I think we've just about touched on all the news we've got for this week. I think it's been a shit week for news, but uh, it's going to be a great year for gaming. It is. And if you want to hear more about the great year for gaming ahead, may I recommend that you tune into next week's episode where, with any luck, we will have a full house the holy trinity of Super Show hosts reunited at last for the first time in 2022 to discuss the year ahead and all the hot new releases and give a little previews and thoughts on everything to come. Once again, if you want to make sure you don't miss that episode of the Super Show, make sure you're subscribed to the channel on YouTube and you're following and doing all the cool subscription things you can do as well on podcasting platforms like Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Chris... Um, mm. I know you've only just recovered from having a very sick festive <sighs> period, so I just want to say thank you for not only joining me and everyone else this week, but also for uh, being such a gracious and hey. insightful and just a generous co-host. Well, thank you for having me. You're very, very kind. And uh, I can only apologize for my low energy levels as I honestly am, am on the road to recovery. I'm not just saying this because you're here and I'm kind of virtually looking you in the eye. Didn't get any low energy uh, from you this week. <laughs> yeah, boy. Um, uh, well, that's good because I'm fucking dying inside. <laughs> well, that's well. we can stop recording and then you can die on the outside as well and just kind of good. be more yourself. Um, but yes, thank you, Chris. <laughs> and thank you once again to everyone who is watching along from home or indeed listening. Uh, remember to like the video, to rate the podcast five stars. And if you want to consider helping support the future of the Super Show, patreon.com forward slash Super Show. You can pledge there. And with any luck, we'll see you back here, same time, same place next week. And we hope you have a good one. Until then, goodbye. See ya.